Uh, I'm going to launch straight in. I'm going to try and make this as practical as possible. Think of this not as a a sermon, but more as a seminar. And uh, I believe with all my heart uh, that the, the ministry... Um, that, uh, that Jesus performed uh, when he was in his body on earth is the same ministry that Jesus wants to perform through his body on earth, the church today. So when Jesus was on earth, he proclaimed the good news of the, good, of God, the gospel, the good news of forgiveness of sins. He healed the sick, he cast out demons, he raised the dead. He cleansed the lepers, uh, he healed the brokenhearted, and he set the captives free. And uh, his ministry continues, and it continues through the church. Uh, one of the things that I think uh, that has been sad over the last years is uh, the way many who have believed that the whole ministry of Jesus continues, uh, we, we've, we've believed that it continues through a few anointed men and women. So in, in charismatic and Pentecostal circles, we, await, we wait for the anointed prophet to turn up to do the prophecy. We, await, we wait for the anointed healing minister to turn up to do the healing. And in more evangelical circles, we wait for the anointed evangelist to come to do the evangelism and the anointed Bible teacher to come to do the Bible teaching. And uh, I believe in anointing, uh, but uh, I, I believe that there is today only one person who is anointed by God to do the ministry of Jesus. And I want to announce to you tonight who that person is. That person is here in your midst. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Did some of you get worried there for a second? I hope you did. I hope you did. And it's Jesus. And do you know why I know it's Jesus? Because in the Bible, he is called the anointed one. And he's called the anointed one for a really good reason. There is only an anointed one. There is not an anointed two, three, or four. And what we do is we share his anointing. It's his anointing that we share. It's his ministry that we share. Who wants to have their own ministry when we can share in his ministry? His ministry is so much better. I wasted too many years of my life telling God what I was going to do and asking him to bless it. It's so much more fun finding out what he's doing and blessing that and joining his ministry and joining with what he's doing. And believe me, it makes you look a lot better when you do that. And of course, of course he anoints us, but he anoints us with the anointing of Jesus. It's the anointing of Jesus that comes on us. The anointing that was on him rests on you, plural, plural. And what we've done, the sad thing about the way we've done these things is, is having, having a few kind of celebrity people who stand on platforms and do the magic disenfranchises the rest of the body of Christ. And uh, I believe with all my heart that the whole ministry of Jesus is for the whole church of Jesus. It is for all of us. 
when it comes to uh, the, the ministry of Jesus, the Lord says, uh, everybody can play. The only rule is play nicely and share the toys. Play nicely and share the toys. And I want to uh, look this evening at how we can play nicely and share the toys. And, uh, uh, and then we're going to have a go. And by we're going to have a go, what I mean is you're going to have a go and I'm going to have a rest. Um, so, um, so you better listen hard because it's going to be your turn soon. And, uh, and uh, I, I, I want to look practically at, uh, at how we can pray. And, and often the models that, are, that we see from platforms are models that a few big personalities um, can carry, uh, carry out. And, and that's great for them. But for most of us, we, we look at them and we think, I can't do that. I can't do what they do. So what I want to suggest is it's not the only way, but this is a model that I want to suggest to you that is one that is reproducible, that we can all do. And we don't have to do it from a platform. We don't even have to do it in church. We can do it on the street corner. We can do it in a shop. We can do it with our family. This is something that's for all of us. But I also want to look at four values that I believe undergird this and keep it safe. And so I'm going to launch in. Value number one, uh, in the ministry of Jesus, we're talking about praying so that stuff happens, yeah? We want to see stuff happen. And by that I mean people set free, people healed, people encountering Jesus, uh, people's heart, broken hearts mended, all those things. Value number one, we value the cross of Jesus Christ. We value the work of Jesus on the cross. What's that got to do with praying, for example, for healing? I believe it's got everything to do with that. By his wounds we are healed. Uh, we read in the scripture. Uh, when, we, when we say we value the cross of Jesus, uh, what we're saying is the ultimate healing is the forgiveness of sins and the restoration of relationship. That's the ultimate healing. You know, people can come out of wheelchairs, they can, blind eyes can see, they can fly, but the best, the best is when someone um, has the forgiveness of sins and a, a renewed relationship with Jesus. At our festivals that we used to do in England, uh, on the first night we always invited people uh, to give their lives to Christ if they weren't yet Christians. And after they did that, I would say to them, the next four days, it's going to be downhill from here. Whatever happens, there's nothing as good as what has just happened. Because the angels are opening champagne in heaven. They're having a party in heaven. There is rejoicing in heaven. If there's rejoicing over one, imagine what the party's like over many. And so the cross of Jesus says that the ultimate healing is the forgiveness of sins and the restoration of relationship. Also, the cross of Jesus tells us um, that it's not about what we do, but about what he did. That the basis is what, it's not how holy I am, but how good he is. And his finished work on the cross. So I don't have to attain some degree of goodness in order for God to hear my prayer. It's all of grace. 
And the cross of Jesus tells us that it's not about how much the person that's being prayed for deserves it. Because we can be praying for, I don't know, Susie. And we can say, Lord, please, please heal Susie. Please meet with Susie. She's been through this suffering for so long. She's been so brave. She's, she loves you so much. She's so kind to people. Lord, Susie, if anyone, Susie really deserves it. Because for every Susie who is so good and holy and really deserves it, there's a Tom who isn't quite so holy and we're not sure does deserve it. And the truth is, the prayer should be, Lord, bless and heal Susie and Tom because you are a good God and it's on the basis of what you've done and who you are, not who they are. I have prayed for some people who are wonderful, who are godly, and who have not been healed. Some of my dear friends, in fact, my colleagues have died as we've prayed for them. And then I've prayed for some people that if I was God's advisor, I would have said, mm, you know what, Lord, that... Their character isn't right. They do this, they do that, they don't do this, they don't do that. If I were you, I'd give them a wide berth. And the Lord does not listen to his servant, Pilavachi. And he heals him anyway. There's a mystery to this. But he, the, the point is, it doesn't depend on our goodness, but on who he is and what he's done. And the mystery of, of why some folk meet with the Lord and get blessed and are healed and some people aren't, it's the same mystery as why when we preach the gospel, some give their lives to Christ and respond and others don't. But because some don't, we don't stop preaching the gospel, do we? And it's the same with this. It's about the kingdom is now and not yet. You know, the kingdom is advancing. Uh, the kingdom of God, the, 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 the presence of the future, but not in all its fullness. Only when Jesus returns will every tear be wiped from our eyes. And until then, there's a mystery to this, but we keep going out of obedience. So we value the cross of Jesus Christ. Secondly, we value the Bible as the word of God. We want to do things in accordance with the Scripture. Now, those of us um, who are more charismatically, Pentecostally inclined, um, we like our Christianity weird. Uh, we really do. And the weirder, the better. And we get really excited when we hear of what has happened in Colombia or Argentina. And we say to each other, have you heard what happens in Mongolia, when they pray for people, they fly. Oh, we could do that. We could do that. And there's something about we learn from other places. Uh, we do learn from other places. But the truth is, the truth is, in the end, it's not because something happens in, we see it in Mongolia. It's because we see it in Scripture. Because we see it in the Word. The moment we get detached in our practice from the Word of God, that's when weirdness comes in. That's when crazy stuff comes in. 
And, uh, you know, I keep hearing about places, and, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen, you know, where people say to me that they've been in a meeting where, um, as they've been worshipping, gold dust has descended, and they've had gold dust everywhere. And isn't it amazing that they've had gold dust? And you know what? I, I don't know if that's the case or it isn't the case. It's never happened to me. But my point is, why are you more excited about gold dust than that Jesus was there. Gold dust is, if it does, it's, it's, it's a little bonus. The main thing is Jesus. Now, if it's a lot of gold dust, sweep it up and make a fortune. But it's not about gold dust. It's never been about gold dust. It's always been about Jesus. I get excited when Jesus is in the house. Because that's the main thing. And when we get divorced from Scripture, we move from the main thing. Now, one of my spiritual heroes is a guy called Smith Wigglesworth. And you probably, he was an English plumber. Um, he, he lived in, I think he died in the 1950s, 1953 or something. And he was an extraordinary man. And uh, God used him for, in healing ministry in, in amazing amounts. And the stories are legendary. I've I've, I've read the books about him. I've, I've, I've listened to the uh, recordings uh, of people giving testimonies about him. Uh, and, uh, and God used him. I mean, people were healed of all sorts of things. Incredible ways. And I even watched, there's one little video that was taken of him in black and white as an old man um, standing uh, on a bridge overlooking a lake, feeding the bread to the ducks. And I watched that again and again and again. And, and, and I watched it that I might get his anointing. And I did get his anointing. You should see me feeding ducks. It's incredible. You know, it's, it's amazing. Uh, but do you know the thing about Smith Wigglesworth? For all his, for all his faith, for all his trust in God, um, he didn't have any sort of theological education. The only book he, he, his wife taught him how to read and write. And the only book he ever read was the Bible. He never even read a newspaper. And so one of his um, uh, convictions was that all disease was satanic. And he had a particular thing about cancer. Uh, I think because his mum died of cancer. So he would get really angry if he was faced with someone uh, with cancer. And there's a story that they brought someone to him in the final stages of stomach cancer. And Smith started praying against the cancer and rebuking the enemy. And in order to help the cancer to leave, he punched the guy really hard in the stomach. Now the guy collapsed on the floor um, from the punch. The, the crazy thing was this. He got up completely healed of the cancer. Now, I think he had bruising from the punch, but there was no cancer. When I first heard that, I thought, aye, aye. Because <laughs> there's a few people I'd like to pray for like that. It, it gives a new meaning to the laying on of hands. But here's the point. There's no evidence that Jesus went round thumping people in order to heal them. Now, some of you may be thinking, 
Ah, but what about in the outer court of the temple when he made whips and he overturned the tables and he, he, he threw out the money changers? I want to suggest that that was not a healing scenario. That was, you, you can't equate the two. Jesus treated people with gentleness and with kindness. And Smith Wigglesworth may be a spiritual hero of mine. He is not my model for ministry. Only Jesus is. And then the question is, but if, if, that's, if it's wrong to punch people when you're praying for them, how come God healed that guy when Smith Wigglesworth thumped him? That's a good question, isn't it? Here's my little suggestion. I wonder if it went something like that. Um, Smith, I, I hear your prayers. I see, I see your faith. I have compassion on this man. I'm going to heal him, Smith, but you don't need to punch him. I need you to stop punching them, Smith. Smith, don't. Oh, you've punched another one. You've punched another one. Well, I was going to heal him anyway. I'm going to heal him. But will you please stop thumping them? I wonder if it was something like that. You see, it's God's grace. Even when our practice is wrong, but, but because he is full of grace, we then baptize our practice as, as something that it's not. He wants us to do things in accordance with biblical principles. There's so much more I could say about that, but we haven't got time. Number three. Value number three. Number one, we value the cross of Jesus Christ. Number two, we value the Bible as the Word of God. Number three, we value the personal work of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means it's His work, not ours. When we pray for people, for stuff to happen, we are like waiters and waitresses in a restaurant. We go up to the customer and we say, What is your order, madam? And madam might say, uh, I have a bad left knee. I would like healed, please. You may write down, bad left knee healed. And then you can ask, how would you like that? Rare, medium, or well done? And then you take the order to the chef. And only the chef can make up the order. You take it to God in prayer. And, and that takes all the pressure away. I'm just a waiter. I can't, make, I can't make the dish. I'm just here to, to, to take the order to the chef, to the Lord. Either he does it or he doesn't. And my job is to be obedient. And my job is to serve. So when we say we, we, we value the person work of the Holy Spirit, we're always looking to see what is it that you're doing, Lord? You know, there's... There's, there's two scriptures that we need to hold in tension. Uh, there's Mark 5, uh, which is the one most of the church uh, focuses on, which is the woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years. She goes through the crowd and she reaches out to Jesus and she touches the hem of his garment and she's healed. And he doesn't even know who it is. He says, who touched me? And she reached out to him and she touched him. And that's the way we've, we've done it. That's the way we've always in the church largely done it. We've initiated. But you've got to balance that with John chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 and John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, Jesus goes to the pool of Bethesda. And there's lots, it says, 
of crippled and blind people by the pool. And Jesus goes to one guy and he heals him. He goes to one guy who had been crippled for 38 years and he heals him. Later on in the chapter, he explains what he did. He says, he says I only do what I see my father doing. In another place, he says, I only speak the words my father gives me to speak. How many of you were here at one of the services this morning? You see, that was, that was the point when, when God gave words. There were some people here this morning who had never expected to get prayer, would never have asked for prayer, and the Lord put his finger on them, and he said, you. You know, one person in a crowd, and I, I, I know you. And I want, I want to meet with you. And, and God met with them. And, and then we need to learn the art of waiting. We need to learn the art of watching, learning to see what the Spirit's doing, listening to his voice. It's something, it's something you grow in. You know, and the way we've, um, some people have explained the gift of prophecy. It's been so super spiritual. It's like only for the very few. no. The only qualification you need to hear the voice of Jesus is to be a sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and they recognize my voice. And, and he's been speaking to all of you a lot. It's just that maybe you haven't been listening, and no one's told you how to listen. No one's told you to still your heart. No one's told you to make space. No one's told you to be still and know that he is God. And you've missed it. And, and it's something that we can grow and we can learn in. Now, if we value the personal work of the Holy Spirit, what we want to learn to do is, is give him space to take a lead and we follow. And now at this point, I'm going to give you a practical demonstration of a model of prayer that everyone can do. And I'm going to show you, first of all, two ways I want to suggest not to pray and then one way to pray. And in order to do this, I'm going to completely at random select someone from here to be someone that I'm going to pretend to pray for. Mm, Tom Smith, why don't you come here? Now just imagine, um, come over this side. Tom has come up for prayer for healing. For his face. And some prayers need a lot of faith, okay? They do, they do, they do. And um, here's, here's the first way I want to suggest not to pray, and this is the evangelical way. And I'm not having a go, I'm an evangelical, okay? I'm not having a go, all right? And here's the first way not to pray. Oh Lord Jesus. We pray for healing for Tom's face. He's had this face all his life. And uh, Lord, it's just so bad. It's so difficult. And we, we, we call out to you. You say where two or three agree on anything uh, gathered in your name, you will answer them. You will do it. You say if we, if, we, if we ask, we will receive. If we seek, we will find. If we knock, the door will be opened. Well, we're knocking right now. Lord, would you open the door to Tom's face? And Lord, have mercy on him, not just him, but on his poor wife, Susie, who every morning she has to wake up and she gets frightened when she turns over in bed and she's 
sees this face. His poor little kids who are going to get teased at school because they've got a dad with such a face. And Lord, we praise you in advance for what you're going to do. We thank you in advance for it. You know what? After a while, I imagine the Lord is wanting to say, shut up. I know. I can see his face. Don't kill it with words. Some of us, we just, words, 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 shut up. Now, here's another way not to pray. And this is the charismatic Pentecostal way not to pray. And I'm not having a go. I'm charismatic Pentecostal Anglican. Okay? So, oh, Lord. Lord, heal his face. We speak healing to this face. We announce it. We announce it. We, we, we speak it. Oh, Holy Spirit. I can feel the Spirit. Oh, the Spirit's coming from my, to my right arm. It's coming to my body. It's coming to my left arm. And I say in Jesus' name, out! Don't do that. Don't do it. You're right. What? That was a bit Will Smith, he says. <laughs> That's really annoying. I'm killing myself here. He says one thing and he gets the biggest laugh of the night. Get here. Don't do that. You don't hype the Holy Spirit up. He comes down. He comes down. So you just relax. You relax. Here's a way I want to suggest that you might pray. Would you assume the receiving posture? Well done. <laughs> now I want you to watch very carefully my technique, okay? Watch, make notes. Lord Jesus, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit upon Tom. And Lord, just, just do whatever you want and just bring healing to his face. Now watch what I do next. Watch. Did you see what I did? Did you see? I waited. Wait. You've invited the Holy Spirit. Be polite. Wait for him. Wait for him. He does it. We don't. He does it. We make space. And the more you wait, the more he does, I have discovered. And anyone can do that. So you wait, and you might, receiving posture, you might after a while just say, Lord, I, I, just very brief, I, I just bless what you're doing. I thank you, Lord, that you love Tom. You're meeting with him. Make space. Hand just gently on a shoulder. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. <laughs> you see, just in case you didn't see, you don't have to do that. <laughs> Mr. Cool, not so cool now, huh? <laughs> and um, you just wait. 
and you say, after a while you might want to say, are you sensing anything? And, and the person might say, not really. And that's okay. Okay. But the person might say, gosh, I just, I just sense a real sense of peace. I just got suddenly a peace or I just sense a warmth. Uh, and, and it's like, okay, we'll keep praying. Um, we just wait on the Lord. And, and after a while you might say, okay, we'll stop now. Um, if, if, you, if we haven't received what you wanted, let's pray again. Let's keep going. All right, you can go sit down. You can see where enemies, and I won that. Um, so, so we make space, and we wait for him. And this anyone can do. It's not rocket science. And sometimes we've made it so esoteric and so weird that it's disenfranchised the many. And, you know, you can pray like that. Simple prayers. Have you noticed how how short Jesus' prayers were when he was healing people? Do you know, it was things like see, hear, walk. They don't get shorter than that. You don't have to kill it with words. And you don't have to do weird stuff. Just be normal. We want to be naturally supernatural. So number three, we value the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Number four, we value the dignity of the individual. This is really simple and really important. When we're praying for people, we treat them with dignity. They're not a number. They're not, they're not someone else, you know. Give them attention. My old boss, when I was a youth pastor in the church, and my pastor used to keep saying to us, after you've prayed for people, if they leave knowing nothing else, they should at least leave knowing they've been loved. So, so, so focus on what they're saying. Have you ever been in a place where you're talking to someone and they're kind of, they're looking about, uh, uh, above you? And, you? and what does that do to you? You know, it, you know if, if someone's telling you uh, what it is they need prayer for, what it is they're going through, don't go like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, hello. All right. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah? All right, I'll be with you in a second, just when I finish with this one. When you do that, that makes the person feel that, that small. That small. Give them your attention. The point is love. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1? He says, make love your aim and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. It's both. If you don't make love your aim, please don't eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. You'll just use them to damage people. So listen to them. Care for them. Love them. Uh, Treat them with dignity. Uh, Treat them with respect. Um, Give them grace. You know, you might not understand what's happening. I'll just tell you one little story and then probably, probably if I've got the discipline, stop. Some years ago, um, I, I was at a meeting of youth leaders, and there was one lady youth leader from the south coast of England, and um, she seemed very together. <laughs> she seemed very efficient and organized, and she scared me. And I, I never saw her smile or laugh, but she was, you know, she was focused and everything. 
And uh, when we had our festival in the summer, our camp, um, on the first night when we had a ministry time and we invited the Holy Spirit to meet with people at the end of the worship and the teaching, uh, she came forward with some others and she started screaming. And it frightened me. And it was like, first thing I thought was, I never would have guessed that you would be a screamer. You know, I would never have taken you for a screamer. And also it was like, will you stop? Because it's the first night and you're scaring everyone. Well, I couldn't get to her and she screamed for a while. And then uh, the second day, she came forward again and she was screaming again. And it was like, oh my goodness. She screamed for the first three and a half days. And you know, there were times when if she was near enough, I would have kicked her and told her, will you shut up? But I couldn't get to her. And then on the last day, she came in, and literally we didn't recognize her. She was laughing, she was smiling, she was, she was relaxed in a way she had never been before. And I thought, something's happened to her. Six months later, she came to see me, and she said, I owe you an explanation for my behavior um, in, at the camp. And she said... Um, when I was um, 11, uh, my, my dad had left home and my mum had remarried. And when I was 11, my stepfather came into my bedroom and did things to me and sexually abused me. And I was absolutely frightened. And the next day, I told my mum what had happened. And she was really angry with me. And she said to me, you're a liar. I don't believe you, and don't you ever tell anyone else. If you tell anyone else, I will throw you out of the house. So she said, as a little girl, I knew I was on my own. So I buried the fear, and I thought, I've got to be strong, because no one's going to be strong for me, and I've got to take control. And she swallowed all the pain, and she, by force of will, kept herself going and she said but what I've realized is by not feeling the negative things I stopped feeling the positive things my life has been gray I haven't laughed for as long as I can remember I haven't smiled I haven't laughed from my belly I, I've I've just been like a machine and she said and then when I came to the camp on the first night I just felt safe and in the worship, I sensed God's presence. And then when you prayed for the Holy Spirit to meet with us, it felt like I was being covered in love. And it was as if God was saying to me, it's okay, it's safe. And suddenly, I couldn't hold it in anymore. And for three days, she said, I screamed the screams and I wept the tears of an 11-year-old who couldn't do it. And she said, and now... I'm alive again. I'm fully human. I can laugh. I can enjoy life. I can feel things deeply. And then she said to me, and I want to thank you that you had the wisdom not to stop me. <laughs> and I thought, oh, if you had been nearer, I would have done. And do you know what I realized is sometimes we don't know what is going on in other people's lives and hearts. And we just need to make space. And we just need to treat people as we would want to be treated. And we want, need to give people time. Not everyone is going gonna, is gonna to feel things. And anyway, you know what? 
We, we're all built differently. We're all built differently. We don't need to respond the same. Uh, you know, uh, there's one of my co-pastors is a lady called Ali. And she is so in touch with her emotions, it is unbelievable. All you have to do is say hello to her and she cries. So when the Holy Spirit comes on her, she, she's in touch with her feelings and she weeps. There are some people who are more in touch with their bodies. So when the Holy Spirit comes on them, they will respond physically. There are others of us that are more in touch with our minds. And when the Holy Spirit comes on us, you know, suddenly a Bible verse will come alive in our heads or we'll, we'll get a fresh insight, revelation, a renewal of our mind about the Lord's love or kindness. Which is more spiritual? None of they, They're the same. We're all different. And, and sometimes we, we feel that we've all got to respond in the same way. I remember, I remember there was... Um, uh, there was one time at one of our camps, uh, three friends, I noticed them, they all came forward, three lads, they were about 15 years old, and they stood there, and they were being prayed for, and um, I, 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 was, I noticed them, and then I went to check how everyone else was looking from the platform, and then I came back, and when I came back, I noticed that the two guys on either side had fallen back under the power of the Spirit, now they weren't knocked out, they were just overwhelmed with peace and God's love, and they just, I think they just wanted to have a lie down, to be honest. I think it's just, oh, this is just so, so nice to be so aware of his love. And the guy in the middle was standing upright, and as I was watching him, you know, sometimes you can feel that something's happening around you. And uh, he was like this, and then he opened his eyes, and then he looked there, and he, then he looked down, and I could see the face on his face was, oh no. And then he looked there, and he looked down, and I could see on his face, it was, my friends have both gone down, and I'm the last one standing. What shall I do? And then suddenly he went, and then he went back. <laughs> now, well, I wasn't going to go down there and say, you two on either side, well done, that was Jesus. You in the middle, get up. You just made that up. If someone wants to fall down, they can fall down. It's a free country. But we want to, we want to, create, a, we want to create an atmosphere where no one feels they have to fall down in order to perform and in order to authenticate their spirituality or, or, or please other people. So we want to say, hey, we're all different. We're all different. We can relax. Some of us will will feel things more, more obviously, others of us won't. It's, it's Jesus, it's not, it's not our response. Is everything that happens when we pray for people, God? Of course it's not, human beings are involved, aren't they? Human beings are involved. And just the last little thing on, on hearing God speak, I mean this could be a whole conference, but I, I do just want to, oh my goodness, how long have I been going on for? Oh, too long. Okay, the last little thing, very, very quickly, um, is this. I used to think, I missed it so much, because I used to think that God spoke like this. Hear ye, hear ye, God calling Mike, are you receiving me? Tablet of stone on its way down, duck. You know, and I thought it would come with flashing lights and peals of thunder and a Charlton Heston voice. And I didn't realize that God doesn't shout to his friends, he whispers. 
He whispers. It's the gentle whisper, the still small voice. Be still and know that I am God. And what we need to do is not dial up, but dial down. And the way he speaks, it's like, for me, for me, I've been practicing this for a long time. So I've learned to discern a bit more clearly what's him. But certainly at the beginning, you know, I used to, the way it would work with me, and it still does, is, oh, I've just had a thought. That's a funny thought. Why would I think that thought? Could that be you, Lord? Or could it be indigestion? And in my case, quite regularly, it was indeed indigestion. But the only way I could find out was by humbly sharing it. And humbly sharing it is not, thus saith the Lord. It's, I could be wrong here, but I wonder if this is, if this is going on. I wonder if this is happening. And if you share it humbly and you get it wrong, nobody dies. You might be praying for someone and you're praying for something physical and suddenly a thought comes into your head and they haven't, they haven't forgiven their sister. Here's how not to do it. The Lord has just shown me that the reason you've got this bad knee that isn't being healed is because you're holding bitterness and resentment to your sister and you need to repent. You know what it says you know, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. If you do not forgive those who sin against you will not be forgiven. Don't do that. Do it like this. Um, just as we were praying, um, I just wonder, do, do you have a sister? And if the person says no, you say, oh, okay, got it wrong. But they might say yes. And then you say, forgive me to asking this, but did your sister hurt you really badly at some stage? that was really painful. And the person might say, yeah, actually, actually she did. Do you know when you've been really hurt by someone close to you, it's really hard to let go because they're the wounds that go deep. Would that be the case? Actually, yes. And you know what? It's hurting you. And Jesus wants to free you. And I know how hard it is to forgive when we've been hurt. It seems so unjust. Why don't we together take it to the cross of Jesus. And why don't we leave it there? Ah, how about that? I'll pray with you. Do you see the kindness in that? Do you see, do you see how you take the person on the journey? It's not about how you perform. It's about them. And the reason this is important is because there is a world out there that is dying of loneliness, that is dying of brokenness, that is, that is dying of pain and secret shame. And they need the church to rise up in love and the power of love to set people free so that they know that they can come out of their secret shame and that they will be accepted and loved. That's the bottom line. I'm going to absolutely finish with my favorite story. And it, it does make me look quite good, um, which is kind of the aim of this. But I'm not saying it for that reason. I'm saying it, I, seriously, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying it because I love it. And um, again, you know, like, I didn't know what I was doing. It was during, uh, during one of our camps, and we were praying for people, and suddenly this thought came into my head. Um, there's someone here um, who 
um, has been teasing his friends about everything that's been happening and who says he's an atheist and who's been uh, mocking everything and saying this is nonsense, this is rubbish. And then I just felt the Lord say, but he's just prayed to me just now. And he's just said in his heart, God, if this is true and you're really there, could you speak to me? And then I just felt this gentle thing. I didn't know if it was the Lord or me saying, and his name is Brian. Now, I had a choice at that moment. I thought, I don't know that this, well, but why not? Why not say it? So I said that. There's someone here, you know, you're an atheist. Your friends brought you. You've been mocking everything. You've been teasing your friends. And, um, and you just prayed just a few moments ago in your heart. No one else knows. And you said, God, if you're real, if this is real, would you speak to me? And your name is Brian. I said, Brian, where are you? He's speaking to you now. Why don't you come? Immediately, immediately, this 15-year-old lad came forward sobbing, sobbing. And his friends followed him, and they were crying. And they prayed with him. And that night, Brian gave his life to Jesus. And you know the thing I love? They told me that the next day, he was going around the campsite, and he was going up to strangers. And he was saying to strangers, he knows my name. He knows my name. What a way to come into the kingdom. And I didn't get to meet Brian. His friends told me. Um, uh, but if I had met him, I would have said, you bet he knows your name, Brian. He's always known your name. And if he ever did have a senior moment, which of course he won't because he's God, but if he ever did and couldn't quite remember your name, can I tell you something? He's cheated because all he has to do, he's written your name down. And all he has to do is look there because your name is written on the palm of his hand. That's what the scripture says. And you see, this is all about love. This is all about a people who love. All right, I've landed. I'm not going to take off again. We are taxiing to the terminal. Now, how shall we do this? Um, let's just wait on the Lord, because I've no idea what to do next. So it's always good to wait. And Father, Lord, would you meet with us? Would you show us what you want to do? Would you speak to us? Would you send your Holy Spirit afresh and empower and equip us and enable us to do your work? We love you and we want to show your love to others. We bless your name.